the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If you're trying to build for the future, you must set your foundation strong. You build a country like you build a cathedral from the ground up. Empower every man and you will gain strength. Well, who could object to such reasonable words? If your majesty were to offer justice, justice in the form of a charter of liberties, allowing every man to forage for his heart, to be safe from conviction without cause or prison without charge, to work, eat, and live on the sweat of his own brow, and be as many as he can. And that king would be great. Not only would he receive the loyalty of his people, but their love as well. So what would you have? Hmm? Castle for every man. <laughs> every Englishman's home is his castle. What we would ask, Your Majesty, is liberty. Liberty by law. You build a country like you build a cathedral from the ground up. If people would understand what it takes to build a country, if people understood human behavior, then we would stop being all in this confusion and this just ridiculousness, this this uh, this meaningless dribble that is politics today. And we would uh, we would get forward. That uh, clip is from uh, Robin Hood movie from uh, I don't know three four years ago at, uh, with Russell Crowe. I think it's a I think it's a great example of, uh, you know, if you watch the Democratic debate, and I'm going to talk about that later in the show today. But if you watch that, what a pie, what just a what a bunch of just meaningless dribble it was. Two hours of agony. Oh, I think me and Scott McAfee, the only two guys that watch it all the way through. Um, I know because he was uh, texting me during the show to make sure I was still awake, too. Um, but we're going to talk about, I'm going to talk about what the highlights are and I'm going to talk about the stuff that's going on this week and what all this stuff means. But first, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender located in the city of Moreno Valley. Also offices in Corona, Temecula, Orange, Downey, Westlake Village, and, uh, see, did I miss any? I think that's all of them. Uh, Moreno Valley, Temecula, Corona, Orange, Westlake Village, and Downey. Okay, that's all of them for now. Uh, and we're all over. We can service you all over Southern California for all of your real estate financing needs. If you want to get involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, call me toll free, 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One more time, day or night, toll free, 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me but you don't want to talk with me because uh, you're at the office. 
and you don't want your neighbor to know what's going on in your life, and you don't want your boss to know you're stealing time from him. Well, don't steal time from your boss. Wait till your lunch break or your 15-minute coffee break or your cigarette break or maybe one of your uh, government-mandated uh, sick days that you called in sick, but you're really not sick. But we have to give them to you, so so make sure uh, you uh, when you're using those because the government said we had to. Uncle Uncle Brock told us that we had to. Just did a just did an executive order a few weeks ago. Um, then go to edhoffman.net, click on Apply Now, put in all the information you want me to know, and uh, tell me what information you want back from me or one of my teammates, and you'll hear back from me or one of my teammates. Uh, Randy Sampius, Matt Bradbury, Alex Rojas, or Justin Clark, and we will dial you in to what you're looking for, whether that's uh, to buy a new house to live in, buy a new house as an investment, buy a new vacation home, uh, buy a house to get your kids out of out of living in your extra bedroom or your basement, um, a vacation home, uh, investment property, uh, refinance, one of the above, or even that fantastic uh, f- uh, thing for seniors, that fantastic financing tool called a reverse mortgage. A lot of you out there are going... I heard some bad things about it. Well, guess what? If you're over 62 and you don't have as much money as you want, and but you do have equity in your house, this is a great tool. Call and get the information. Call me toll-free at 855-640-2020, or you can also do that at edhoffman.net. If here's something you want repeated, you can also go to edhoffman.net. Click on uh, listen to the main event. You'll hear this show as well as four past shows. Or uh, get us on podcast at iTunes. Go to iTunes. You can down and uh, search Ed Hoffman. You could have it download automatically. Subscribe for free. Have it download automatically to your iPhone, your iPad, your iPad, your iPod, your iWatch, your computer, uh, or uh, whatever other kind of thing gets uh, um, uh, iTunes. And if you don't have something like that, you can get us also on uh, on uh, AM five ninety The Answer dot com on the podcast there. So. If you miss part of this show and you couldn't find out how to get the rest of it, you didn't want to. So anyway, um, I guess that's a I guess that's a, uh, a a cue for you to change the channel if this isn't the right place that you wanted to be. So anyway, also you can follow me on Twitter at, at Ed Hoffman, where I'll tweet about current events all week long, and you can like our show on Facebook by just going to the main event five ninety on Facebook, and you can read my weekly opinion columns on iebusinessdaily.com. Click on the opinion tab, and you'll see all my columns. And you can, uh, you know, everybody has an opinion, and I think everybody's entitled to mine. So, uh, so it's just a glorious thing. So, if you want to, if you don't want to wait till the weekends to uh, hear my rant or my opinionated opinion about things, uh, it's there's certainly plenty of plenty of places to hear it. So, uh, let's talk about what's going on this week. So. Uh, uh, Obama and Afghanistan. You know, Obama's been a little confused as to what to do with o- Af- Afghanistan. We elected a guy who doesn't, who wasn't qualified to be president, not just because he wasn't born in the United States. Oh, I'm sorry, he was born in the United States. He showed his, he showed his birth certificate. Yeah, bull. The, you know, everybody can see the the birth certificate that's on WhiteHouse.gov was uh, altered with uh, Adobe Writer, and it's been proven lots of times. But it's just not cool to talk about that. But I'll tell you that. Uh, uh, because of that, because we were all in that eight years ago and saying, hey, and you know who the first person that brought that up was? Was Hillary Clinton. And now it's not cool to talk about that, the fact that he wasn't born in the United States and wasn't uh, qualified to be the president. But now we've got a Republican guy, Ted Cruz, who's probably one of the most qualified guys on in that's running, but he was born in Canada. So I'm not supporting him because 
I'm not going to be a hypocrite. If it wasn't good for Obama, it's not good for Cruz. And we've got plenty of others that will do a fine job. But let's talk about uh, where Obama is. Obama, we got we got him in there. He doesn't he wasn't brought up in the in the United States. He's brought up in Indonesia, and uh, he he was born in Kenya. Okay, wherever you think he was born at, but he was he was raised in Indonesia, and uh, and it's a and it's a fact. He puts it in his book. He admits it, and. Uh, he just doesn't understand America like we do. So as a as a as a result, as the commander in chief, he doesn't know what to do. And he's too stupid to to talk to the smart people around him that he could surround himself with, which is why we've had so many secretaries of defense since he's been in there and uh and that he he wants to micromanage but he doesn't know what's going on. Let's hear let's hear what his opinion on Afghanistan in uh, on June 4th, 2009 was. Make no mistake, we do not want to keep our troops in Afghanistan. And then six months later on December 1st, 2009. I have determined that it is in our vital national interest to send an additional 30,000 U.S. troops to Afghanistan. And then uh, 18 months later on June 22nd, 2011. Starting next month, we will be able to remove 10,000 of our troops from Afghanistan by the end of this year. And we will bring home a total of 33,000 troops by next summer. 18 months later on, uh, well, I guess that's about 20 months later, February 12th, 2013. This drawdown will continue. And by the end of next year, our war in Afghanistan will be over. And uh, that lasted for a year and three months until May 27th of last year, he said. At the beginning of 2015, uh, we will have... Approximately 9,800, 9,800 U.S. service members in different parts of the country. One year later, by the end of 2016, our military will draw down to a normal embassy presence in Kabul. And uh, Thursday, he turned around again. So Thursday, President Obama announced he'll keep nearly 10,000 U.S. troops in Afghanistan throughout most of the year. Then he'll scale back to 5,500 when he leaves office in 2017. By doing this, Obama is casting aside his promise to end the war on his watch, ensuring uh, ensuring that he hands it off to his successor. Let's hear uh, uh, part of that clip. Today, American forces no longer patrol Afghan villages or valleys. Our troops are not engaged in major ground combat against the Taliban. Those missions now belong to Afghans, who are fully responsible for securing their country. But, as I've said before, while America's combat mission in Afghanistan may be over, our commitment to Afghanistan and its people endures. As Commander-in-Chief, I will not allow Afghanistan to be used as safe haven for terrorists to attack our nation again. Well, you know what, uh, did he mess up something? Because he should have done something with Iraq. Because, you know, Iraq is actually a, a country. Iraq is a country with cities. And, and uh, Afghanistan's more of a bunch of caves and villages. And uh, But he's going to make sure. He's going to make sure that he's not going to allow the terrorists to, to uh, hang out there. He continues. Our forces, therefore, remain engaged in two narrow but critical missions. Training Afghan forces and supporting counterterrorism operations against the remnants of al-Qaeda. Of course, compared to the 100,000 troops we once had in Afghanistan, today fewer than 10,000 remain in support of these very focused missions. 
I meet regularly with my national security team, including commanders in Afghanistan, to continually assess, honestly, the situation on the ground, to determine where our strategy is working and where we may need greater flexibility. I've insisted consistently that our strategy focus on the development of a sustainable Afghan capacity and self-sufficiency. And when we've needed additional forces to advance that goal, or we've needed to make adjustments in terms of our timetables, then we've made those adjustments. Basically, what he's saying is that none of his timelines have ever been hard and fast deadlines. Uh, basically, I don't know what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, if you, if, you, if you remember, when we pulled out of Iraq, we should have left, I think the, uh, the commanders asked for uh, 15,000 or 20,000 people to be left there. No, we don't want to leave people there forever. Of course, uh, we've been in Japan since uh, 1945, and uh, everything's been kind of... Uh, kind of, uh, I don't know, peaceful there and just leave, just leave a force there and, uh, hey, people rotate through it. You know what? No biggie. You rot- rotate our military through it. They don't have to be there forever, but we rotate some people. We always keep a presence. They asked for for, uh, for uh, 15,000. Obama said no. They asked for 10. He says I'll leave five. They said don't bother. 5,000 is not going to be enough, but just they're going to be spending all their time defending themselves. They're not going to be effective because there's not enough of them there. But he says we're going to go 5,500. Um, he continues. Meanwhile, the Taliban has made gains, particularly in rural areas, and can still launch deadly attacks in cities, including Kabul. Much of this was predictable. We understood that as we transitioned, that the Taliban would try to exploit uh, some of our uh, movements out of particular areas, and that it would take time for uh, Afghan security forces to strengthen Pressure from Pakistan has resulted in more al-Qaeda coming into Afghanistan, and we've seen the emergence of an ISIL presence. The bottom line is, in key areas of the country, the security situation is still very fragile. And in some places, there's risk of deterioration. Well, you know what? If this is all so predictable, if that's the case, why does he make the timetable so short? Why does he announce to the world, this is when we're coming out, hey, we're drawing it down to... uh, we're going to leave 10,000 people there, but by the end of the next year, we're going to be down to 5,500. So uh, those of you in the uh, in the Taliban or ISIS or Al-Qaeda, you know what? You guys don't seem to be very patient. Uh, apparently, they're more patient than we are. Um, just stay in your caves for a little while, and there'll be only half as many people to fight uh, next year when I hand it off to uh, whoever the next president is and uh, make sure that they're destined to fail because we won't have enough people over there. And uh, we'll just leave our people there to just defend themselves for their lives. Why don't you just bring them home then, if that's what you're going to do? Hey, you know what? Go big or go home. You know, fight to win or don't fight. You know, if you can't run with the big dog, stay on the porch. I could I could do this all day. Um, so anyway, uh, <clears throat> he he continues. First, I've decided to maintain our current posture of 9,800 troops in Afghanistan through most of next year, 2016. Their mission will not change. Our troops will continue to pursue those two narrow tasks that I outlined earlier, training Afghan forces and going after al-Qaeda. But maintaining our current posture through most of next year, rather than a more rapid drawdown, will allow us to sustain our efforts to train and assist Afghan forces as they grow stronger. Hmm, how's that working so far? Uh, 
Didn't we just uh, try that in Syria? Hey, we uh, we allocated two hundred million dollars to train Syrian rebels to fight, um, to fight against Assad, and to and we're gonna bomb ISIS. We trained, uh, we spent forty one million of it to train fifty four guys, and a few months later, there's only four left. Every all the other ones have either deserted, been captured, or have been killed. I don't know if that's the best use of my tax dollars, Mr. President. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Barack Hussein Obama. I don't like to call him Mr. President because I don't like to show him that sign of respect um, because he's stealing my money and your money and spending it on useless stuff like flying to Oregon uh, for a funeral that nobody wanted to be at and uh, and sending our guys and uh, training training people that don't want to fight to fight. Um, I don't know. I think they're just pocketing the money over there. You know, throughout ne- throughout most of next year, hmm, what happens at the end of 2016? Uh, I don't know, an election maybe? Um, should we be surprised that Obama wants to dump Afghanistan into the next president's lap? So, you know, if anything goes wrong, when all the troops are finally withdrawn, it's not on his legacy. You know, he is such a wuss. And, you know, I, and, and I'll tell you, in talking to our military guys, that won't say anything, that won't say anything on microphone while they're active duty. You know what? They want to fight. Or they want to come home. Don't put them over there in harm's way unless you're going to let them fight and let let them win. Um, I'll tell you that I've talked to guys that steer the steer the drones over Syria, and they say that their uh, their uh, rules of engagement are are uh, you know they fly around and they spot a target, and uh, by the time that they can get uh, approval to shoot or to attack on on the target that they find, um, you know these are these are uh, no, unpiloted pilotless. Um, flying, I forget what they're called, but they're unmanned, piloted, non, unpiloted aircraft. I forget what the, what the acronym is for it. But, um, by the time they get approval to shoot, the target is gone. We're not fighting to win. We might as well come home. Okay. And I'm not advocating come home. I'm advocating fight, but fight to win. Um, he goes on. And to our men and women in uniform. I know this means that some of you will rotate back into Afghanistan. With the end of our combat mission, this is not like 2010, when nearly 500 Americans were killed and many more were injured. But still, Afghanistan remains dangerous. 25 brave Americans have given their lives there this year. I do not send you into harm's way lightly. I think he does. I don't think he really cares about sending anybody into harm's way because I don't think he cares. I don't think he cares if they're in harm's way. He just wants to make sure he looks good. He's worried about his legacy. You know, he says uh, he doesn't send him in. You know, immediately after the announcement, the reporter asked him, how disappointed are you by this? And uh, and what did he How disappointed are you by this, by having to leave people in there? And he says... This decision is not disappointing. Uh, continually, my goal has been to make sure that... We give every opportunity for Afghanistan to succeed while we're still making sure that we're meeting our core missions. And uh, as I've continually said, my approach is to assess the situation on the ground, figure out what's working, figure out what's not working, make adjustments where necessary. This isn't the first time uh, those adjustments have been made. This won't probably be the last. 
It won't be the last because he doesn't really know what he's doing. And uh, he goes, I want to assess on what – hey, you know what? You don't know anything about war. You don't know anything about military. You don't know anything about business. You don't know anything about anything except for flying around in uh, Air Force One and sucking up taxpayer dollars and ruining America. Um, so I guess he's not disappointed as long as he doesn't have to take the blame for anything. Uh, after he after he leaves office, and you know, not only that, Obama still thinks America Americans love him. Americans are happy with him as president. You know, I saw a poll the other day and put him. He wasn't the first best president in history; is the fifth. And I guess there's a two way two way uh, tie for first. That's uh, Reagan and Abraham Lincoln. And there's like a 17 way tie for second. And then there's uh see there's a 44 said there was a 23 way tie for third. Uh, for third, and then there was uh, uh, Jimmy Carter fourth, and Obama was fifth. So, uh, uh, so he's the fifth greatest president in history. And uh, but he's on uh, on sixty minutes uh, earlier this week, and Steve Croft asked him, uh, you know, do you think if you ran again, uh, let's play that? Do you think if you ran again, could run again, and did run again, you would be elected? Yes, you do. I do. Uh, no, no hesitation. No, no, uh, no hesitation on that at all. And uh, I think he's delusional. Uh, I would hope he's delusional. You know what? Maybe he's not. I talked to one of my neighbors this morning, and uh, we talked about that. And they go, well, he probably would be. Why? He goes, because Americans are stupid. Okay, I'll buy that. I will buy that. You know what? But we need to change We need to change that. We need to change that in our, in our country. The, you, know, people, you know, hey, is it apathy or ignorance? I don't know. I don't really care. So, and, that's, and that's kind of, you know, how many, people are more con- how many people are more concerned with the Dodgers having lost and uh, not going to the World Series than what's going on in Afghanistan or what's going on in, uh, in, uh, in, with the presidential election or what's going on at, the, at our southern border? What's going on with our economy? Hey, man, the Dodgers lost. Bummer. Okay, football season. <sighs> They're happy in New York, I guess. So uh, I don't know much about that because I really don't follow that stuff. I just saw it on the headlines, and I know I've got a few uh, Dodger freaks in my company that uh, and nothing is nothing is more important than the Dodgers. And, of course, uh, I have my neighbor, uh, Jeff and Cindy Gray, who actually run our reverse mortgage uh, uh, they run our reverse mortgage department in our co- in our company, and their son-in-law is Chris Stewart of the Pirates. And uh, uh, for the last two years, the, ca- the catcher for the Pirates, and before that, he was catcher for the Yankees. Before that, he was catcher for the San Francisco Giants. And so, depending on where he is, is the only 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 uh, team I seem to be interested in, just because I happen to know him. And uh, and so we get at least when we go to a, a baseball game, I can root for Chris, and I don't care what team he's on or if he. I don't really care if they win. I only care if he gets a hit, and uh, you know, and hey, hey, get me another beer and another hot dog. Extra mustard, please, and uh, that's the extent. I went to the Laker game over in uh, at uh, Citizens Bank Arena uh, last Friday, and uh, I enjoyed some uh, uh, last thir- yeah last Thursday, and uh, I did enjoy some uh, some adult beverages and some hot dogs and some pizza, and uh, I don't really know who won. I think the I think the Lakers lost. I think. But it's just ridiculous to me to see everybody get so hyped up about a bunch of seven foot tall guys that are putting a little round ball into a basket that's, you know, 10 feet tall. If you're seven feet tall, when you raise your hand, your hand is up above 10 feet. How, ta- how much talent does that require? 
I mean, if I was full-time shooting baskets, I could get pretty good at it, except for uh, the fact that I'm only 5'8", so it's a little bit more, it's, it's not quite as much talent for me, or it's a little more talent for me, so, but we're cheering on these guys making gazillions of dollars, and all they're doing is putting a bas- putting the ball in a basket that's, you know, about an inch above where they reach. I don't know. I think uh, there's I think there's more important things in life. I know uh, I know Gabriel's uh, engineering today. I know he's got his sports corner thing, and I know he's he's wanting to throw a punch right now. But uh, hey, you know what? I got the mic today, so you will listen to every word I have to say. We should throw in that clip from the wedding wedding singer right there. So uh, so this week, and we're, I'm almost at the end of part one, so I'm not going to get too far into this. But this week, we, we saw the Democrats have their first debate. And, uh, and we'll talk about every little detail, every, almost every little detail after the break. So, uh, so since I have one minute left, let's talk about, let's, let's just go in and throw in some, uh, some ideas. Interest rates are great, folks. I don't talk very much about, uh, about mortgages and real estate on this show because I find that uh, if you're not in the market, it's boring to listen to. But I will tell you that if you're in the market for real estate or real estate financing, you want to talk to somebody who will steer you in the right direction and thinks like you and will steer you in the in what's your best interest and will give you some honest advice based on some knowledge. And I'll tell you that I own uh, – my wife and I own nine rental properties, a commercial building, uh, two second homes, and a uh, and our home in Reno Valley, uh, our second home in Mammoth, Mammoth Lakes, and a second home in Bullhead City at the river. And, uh, and we flipped about, I don't know, uh, close to 100 houses in, la- in, in our lifetimes with, uh, with a couple of partners. And so if you want someone that can give you some advice on good real estate decisions and bad real estate decisions, good financing decisions, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020, 855-640-2020. I'm out of time for part one. We're going to come back in five minutes after some commercials and some traffic and weather, and we're going to talk about the, the dribble that was the Democratic debate this week. Don't go away. And we're back with part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman. President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender, located in the city of Marina Valley. If you need real estate financing and you want to talk to someone who thinks like you, someone with some common sense, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020, 855-640-2020, or go to edhoffman.net. So uh, we were talking about uh, what's going on in this country, and uh, this past Tuesday, we got to see the Democrats Pixie Dixie Trixie Nixie and Bixie, I don't know. There are a bunch of, uh, you know, can, I can't even imagine one of those five people being, being uh, president of the United States. What a bunch of, what a bunch of, of hooey. They didn't talk about anything that had any substance. They, you know, I think they forgot that they're in a contest to get the, to get the nomination because uh, apparently, apparently uh, uh, Bernie Sanders had an opportunity to just slam Hillary and he just saved her. We don't want to hear about your emails. Well, you know what? Her emails have to do with a FBI investigation that could put her in jail. Um, do we care if the nominee for president is going to go to jail? Wouldn't that be funny if she got elected? If she actually won the election and then they put and then the FBI finished their investigation and put her in jail? Hmm, I hope that she's got a good running mate. 
I don't know. I don't want to, don't know how that works. But you know what? Is America that stupid? Probably. We need to engage and we need to talk to our kids and talk to our coworkers and make sure that everybody knows, understands what's going on because there's some stupid stuff going on. So Tuesday was the first of the six. Five candidates met in Las Vegas in a debate co-sponsored by CNN and Facebook, moderated by Anderson Cooper. And uh, you know what? Uh, Anderson Cooper versus uh, what's the guy's name that moderated the Republicans? Jake Tapper. Uh, it seems like Jake Tapper just wanted to get the Republicans fighting with each other. And they said ahead of time they weren't going to do that. Anderson Cooper wasn't going to do that. Um, you know, the Republican debates focused on matters like cutting taxes, illegal immigration, national security. The Democrats debated things that they think American, average Americans care about, like gun control and income inequality. And my favorite, climate change. Let's hear this, this, this heroic, heroic story that Hillary Clinton told. When we met in Copenhagen in 2009, and literally, President Obama and I were hunting for the Chinese, going throughout this huge convention center, because we knew we had to get them to agree to something, because there will be no effective efforts against climate change unless China and India join with the rest of the world. They told us they'd left for the airport. We found out they were having a secret meeting. We marched up. We broke in. We said, we've been looking all over for you. Let's sit down and talk about what we need to do. And we did come up with the first international agreement that China has signed. Thanks to President Obama's leadership, it's now gone much further. And I do think that the bilateral agreement that President Obama made with the Chinese was significant. Man. Is she tough or what? She's like she's like Rambo or something. That's right. That's right. We bad. Uh, uh, uh. That's right. We bad. Uh, uh, uh. That's right. We found him and we broke in and we said, "We gotta talk to you. Let's sit down." She's a she's a she's she's scary, man. You know, but there were a few substantive issues that were discussed. Like uh, Anderson Cooper asked. Uh, asked Hillary Clinton about whether she should have seen the attack on American consulate in Benghazi coming. Watch this little end-around run she does. Well, let's remember what was going on. Um, We had a murderous dictator, Gaddafi, uh, who had American blood on his hands, as I'm sure you remember, threatening to massacre large numbers of the Libyan people. We had our closest allies in Europe burning up the phone lines, begging us to help them try to prevent what they saw as a mass genocide, in their words. And we had the Arabs standing by our side saying, we want you to help us deal with Gaddafi. Our response, which I think was smart power at its best, is that the United States will not lead this. We will provide essential, unique capabilities that we have But the Europeans and the Arabs had to be first over the line. We did not put one single American soldier on the ground in Libya. And I'll say this for the Libyan people. American citizens did lose their lives in Benghazi. But but I'll get to that. But I think it's important, since I understand uh, Senator Webb's very strong feelings about this, to explain where we were then and to point out that I think President Obama made the right decision at the time. And the Libyan people had a free election the first time since 1951. And you know what? They voted for moderates. They voted with the hope of democracy. Because of the Arab Spring, because of a lot of other things, there was turmoil to be followed. But unless you believe the United States should not send diplomats to any place that is dangerous, which I do not, 
then when we send them forth, there is always the potential for danger and risk. Hello. Did anybody catch a few little few little tweaks in there, a few little gas? Hey, Gaddafi had American blood on his hands and then we said we're not gonna we're not gonna lead this fight. Wait, they killed Americans, but we're not gonna lead it. We're gonna create we're gonna provide special special abilities or something that she's going to we're going to stand behind and let you guys go in after him and then Americans Americans did le- uh, lose their lives oh I'll get to that did she ever get back to that I don't think so that's the one time that they talked about Benghazi I'll get to that and then uh, does anybody give a crap if they have their first demo- democratic uh, uh, elections over there hey I would like to see I would like to see the Middle East turn democratic and that's why I supported the Iraq war because uh Bush had his had his hey if we install democracy in in the Middle East it may take a couple of generations for the for the results of this but realize that the president of the United States is supposed to guide the country based on what's best for the country I may never live to see any of that but my grandkids will and if if uh if we don't do the things today that ensure that America stays free then our grandkids won't have America that we had. And so apparently none of that stuff means anything. So Obama pulls everybody out of Iraq. We lost that and we're going to we're we're going to we're going to applaud the fact that that Libya, I'm sorry, I said Syria before. Libya had free elections even though four of our guys died. I don't know. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. Maybe maybe I'm just off base because apparently uh from people I talked to Hillary's much smarter than any of the Republicans. I just don't understand, folks. I hope I hope you guys realize how important it is for us to be talking about this stuff and and pull some of our Democrat friends' heads out of their nether regions uh, so they can get some air to that brain and vote correctly in November. It's not going to happen all at once. we got to start now. So uh, that still didn't answer the question. The question's uh, should she have seen it coming? Uh, if she had, she could have provided extra security for uh, Chris, uh, the ambassador, Chris Stevens, and the State Department, who who at least twice publicly, we re, we re, they, they released the cables that proved that he asked for it at least twice, that they needed more security there. And our Secretary of State, who wants to be our president, ignored it. It never came, and four, four Americans died. But, hey, uh, Hillary did give an answer to the question when she was asked to respond to these remarks by Lincoln Chafee. Governor Chafee, for the record, on the campaign trail, you've said a different thing. You said this is a huge issue standing here in front of Secretary Clinton. Are you willing to say that to her face? Absolutely. Uh, we have to repair American credibility after we told the world that Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction, which he didn't. So there's an issue of American credibility out there. So anytime someone's running to be our leader and a world leader, which the American president is, credibility is an issue out there with the world. And we have repair work to be done. I think we need someone that has the best in ethical standards as our next president. That's how I feel. Secretary Clinton, do you want to respond? No. Oh, oh, oh. Did anybody catch that? She quickly said no. We should play that clip one more time. Listen to the end of this. Listen to the end of this. Hey, we should have the best in ethical standards for our president. And Hillary, Mrs. Clinton, would you like to, uh, would you like to respond? Play that one more time. 
Governor Chafee, for the record, on the campaign trail, you've said a different thing. You said this is a huge issue standing here in front of Secretary Clinton. Are you willing to say that to her face? Absolutely. Uh, we have to repair American credibility after we told the world that Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction, which he didn't. So there's an issue of American credibility out there. So anytime someone's running to be our leader and a world leader, which the American president is, credibility is an issue out there with the world. And we have repair work to be done. I think we need someone that has the best in ethical standards as our next president. That's how I feel. Secretary Clinton, do you want to respond? No. No, I don't want to answer anything that might make me look stupid or make, make me look like a liar or might make me look untrustworthy or, uh, or, uh, or as uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy said, untrustable. I don't even I should look that up, see if it's actually a word. Is untrustable a word? Um, the one that they put on uh, on the Hillary Clinton commercial as to it proves that Benghazi is just a, a partisan attack. And did anybody uh, did anybody notice the part where he said, um, um, you know, we went in, we we told everybody that Saddam Hussein had had uh, had weapons of mass destruction. He didn't. He did. They found him. They even published it in the in the New York Times. They found him. They just found him in 2014 where he was hiding him. Oh, I'm sorry. Bush lied. People died. I forgot. Okay. I guess they never found him. Okay. Everybody knew he had him. We didn't happen to find him right at first before we killed uh, Saddam Hussein and we liberated Iraq. So we're going to say, hey, he lied. Bush lied. People died. Okay. Well, people died. We liberated a country and Obama pulled them all out and gave gave the terrorists back that country. So they all died in vain. Uh, I think I think that should be uh, put Obama in jail or uh, maybe uh, I won't say anymore. And, of course, no debate with Democrat debates is complete without being asked whether black lives matter or all lives matter. Apparently, one of the candidates thinks all lives matter. Let's find out who that was. Black lives matter. And the reason the reason those words matter is the African-American community knows that on any given day, some innocent person like Sandra Bland can get into a car and then three days later, she's going to end up dead in jail. Or their kids are going to get shot. We need to combat institutional racism from top to bottom. And we need major, major reforms in a broken criminal justice system in which we have more people in jail than China. Amazing. Amazing. The you know all all lives matter. You know it's well black lives matter. Let's just pander let's just pander to the uh to the uh, to the to the colored to the color, all la- the Black Lives Matter crowd. Hey, you know what? When uh, O'Malley uh, was on the trail and he said, "Hey, Black Lives Matter, all lives matter," and he ha- he actually went and apologized. They booed him because he said all lives matter. Is that racist to say that all lives matter? Cops' lives matter. White lives matter. Brown lives matter. Yellow lives matter. Green lives matter. Everybody's lives matter. Everybody means something to somebody. And uh, but you know, as far as the Black Lives Matter movement, it's only about the. I say, hey, you want your life to matter? Make it matter. You make it matter. Don't tell the government to make it matter, and don't tell me to make your life matter. You make your life matter. Do something with your life. 
Stop sitting on your butt. I'm out there working and helping people and and helping people work and helping people get houses and spreading the good the good news and doing good things out there. You guys are sitting on your butt waiting for your EBT card to get recharged so you can drive your Escalade with your spinners down to the food for less, park it in the handicap zone, get out perfectly capable of a perfectly capable of walking, get in one of those little uh, those little uh, those uh, little carts to drive around the store because you're too lazy to walk because you're too fat from sitting sitting around eating potato chips and and drinking beers and never going to work you know what it's getting old it's getting old and those of us that paid six figures in in taxes are getting tired of paying out half half of our money half of our money to the government so they can feed the lazy i don't mind paying my taxes to to protect this country and to support the and to uh and to support the people that need it not the people who who uh who won't work for themselves but the people that can't work for themselves and the people that uh need to be defended and the people that need to be taken care of and to and to uh enforce the laws but you know when it comes down to everything that they're doing with our tax money and everything they're doing they're destroying this country because all lives matter make your life matter so then uh Hillary Clinton Hillary Clinton uh, chimes in on the same thing what do you do for African Americans in this country that President Obama couldn't well i think that President Obama has been a great moral leader on these issues and has laid out an agenda that has been obstructed by the Republicans. So what we need to be doing is not only reforming criminal justice, I have talked about that at some length, including things like body cameras, but we also need to be following the recommendations of the commission that President Obama impaneled on policing, there is an agenda there that we need to be following up on. Similarly, we need to tackle mass incarceration. And this may be the only bipartisan issue in the Congress this year. We actually have people on both sides of the aisle who have reached the same conclusion that we cannot keep imprisoning more people than anybody else in the world. But I believe that the debate and discussion has to go further, Anderson, because we've got to do more about the lives of these children. That's why I started off by saying we need to be committed to making it possible for every child to live up to his or her God-given potential. That is Thank really you, hard to do if you don't have early childhood education, Senator. if you don't have schools that are able to meet the needs of the people or good housing. There's a long list. We need a new New Deal for communities of For communities of color. It got cut off there. So uh, Hillary wants another New Deal, one that's just for communities of color. Because we can't expect communities. This should this should be insulting to you if you're black. This should be insulting to you if you're if you're any other kind of race besides white. Because apparently you guys can't make it on your own unless the government gives you some new deal. Some new deal. You're not capable of learning and reading books and going on the internet doing any of that because you guys don't have the same kind of brains that white people do. Uh, I think that's ridiculous. And how and how how. People of color get behind the Democrats and don't take that as an insult. I'll never know. I'll never know. You'll remember who who freed the slaves in 1865. That was the Republicans. Abraham Lincoln, the Republicans, the the Democrats fought against it. And you'll if you'll realize all the all the uh, all the uh, the what's the right human right human rights laws and all that stuff have gone gone on in the 60s. That was all the Republicans. The Democrats are the ones that are always fighting against that, but they campaign on to get the minorities to vote for them, and then they never do anything for them. 
So, uh, so she wants another new deal. Uh, isn't that kind of racist unto itself to say that minorities need their own federal new deal? And didn't Hillary answer the question, do black lives matter or do all lives matter? Uh, looks like Anderson Cooper didn't ask her that question. Maybe it's because CNN was fixing the debate for Hillary, um, which we'll talk about. Some more evidence of that was the case, but uh, we'll get that in a minute. But first, let's find out what Jim Webb and how he answered the question, the black lives matter, or all lives matter. As the president of the United States, every life in this country matters. At the same time, I believe I can say to you, I have had a long history of working with the situation of African-Americans. Yeah, so at least one guy, the one guy that actually kind of sounded like a Republican throughout this, um, Jim Webb. But I just don't think I don't think he had I don't think he had the clarity or the, uh, you know, I just he seemed a little Mr. Magooish to me. But his answers were more Republican than uh, than any anybody else. So it looks like Jim Webb was the only candidate who answered that all lives matter. Uh, and that's not the only way uh, Jim Webb stood out in the debate, though later Anderson asked uh, the later Anderson asked them each the question that made Jim Wa- Jim Webb the odd man out, and the audience didn't respond quite to the way you expect. Let me play that. Franklin Delano Roosevelt once said, "I ask you to judge me by the enemies I have made." You've all made a few people upset over your political careers. Which enemy are you most proud of? <laughs> I guess the coal lobby. I've worked hard for climate change, and I want to work with the coal lobby. Uh, but in my time in the Senate, tried to bring them to the table so that we could address carbon dioxide. I'm proud to uh, be at odds with the coal lobby. Governor O'Malley? The National Rifle Association. <laughs> Secretary Clinton? Well, in addition to the NRA, um, the health insurance companies, the drug companies, um, the Iranians, um, (laughs) probably the Republicans. (laughs) Senator Sanders? As someone who has taken on probably every special interest that there is in Washington, uh, I would lump Wall Street and the pharmaceutical industry at the top of my list of people who do not like me. <laughs> Senator Webb? I'd have to say the enemy soldier that threw the grenade that wounded me, but he's not around right now to <laughs> talk to. And then we heard. So uh, apparently there wasn't too much, uh, wasn't too much, uh, enthusiasm for that comment from uh from jim webb that where i thought he probably should have so they they all named their they all named their adversaries the nra you know what the coal lobby you know you should talk to some of the people in uh in west virginia and kentucky in the coal lobby and find out how many people they put out of put out of uh put out of uh out of work over there and why so many people are hurting in west virginia and kentucky and in virginia west virginia all the in the black hills up there because uh obama decided to uh to to, to raise the taxes on on coal and kill kill that whole industry and people are people are dying. Hey, but we're saving the environment and the NRA. You know what? Uh, uh, um, ben Carson got so much so much uh, flack this past week about making comments that uh, Hitler Hitler before they uh, in World War II that Hitler took away all the they took away all the guns from everybody. Hey, before they went after everybody, they took everybody's guns away. That way they couldn't fight, and of course all they wanted to say, well, are you saying that if they had guns that the Jews wouldn't have, wouldn't have died in, uh, in World War II? He didn't say that. He said they might have had a chance. 
And you know what? If they want to take our guns, they want to take our guns. Uh, you know, the NRA is is a big organization supporting the Second Amendment, and I just don't think that is something you should be proud of. Is pissing off the the making a, making an enemy out of the NRA. And then let's see. Uh, Hillary Clinton said, "Health insurance companies and drug and drug companies. You made an enemy out of them. I think everybody that's Obamacare is making them rich. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but last year everybody's insurance went up." Okay, so mine doubled last year, and then we're just getting our renewals for this year. And uh, on top of doubling last year, uh, PPO, PPOs are our PPOs jumping up thirteen more percent this year. Although Kaiser, we have Kaiser for some of our some of our employees are on Kaiser and some are on PPOs. Kaiser Kaiser staying level are going down a little bit. So what is the object of the game here? Slowly they're pushing us into a socialized medicine, even if you don't, even if you have insurance, because that's kind of what Kaiser is. And I refuse. I'm not. I'm not going to that. I don't care what it costs. I'll keep my PPO. I'm keeping my doctor. I'm keeping my doctor, and I'm keeping that availability uh, to uh, to my employees. And uh, we'll fight to make sure that this this thing goes away. And uh, and then Iran. Hey, you made Iran an a, a, a enemy. You just you guys just put together a, a deal with Iran to let him get a nuclear bomb. I don't know. Do any of you guys pay attention to this? Well, if, did any of you guys watch the watch the debate? So when some Democrat comes up to you and tells you how smart this, these guys in the debate were, don't listen to it. Play this back. Listen to these clips, or go on YouTube and watch it because these guys are idiots. So anyway, pretty obvious who CNN wanted to declare the uh, declare the winner, no matter what the polls said. The morning after the debate, an article on CNN titled uh, titled CNN Facebook Democratic Debate Winners and Losers declared this winner. Winner is Hillary Clinton. Clinton proved without a doubt Tuesday night why she is the Democratic Party's presidential frontrunner. The same article declared it was unclear whether Bernie Sanders was a winner or loser. This angered Bernie Sanders supporters who began posting this clip on CNN, uh, which aired immediately after the debate. We asked people uh, to vote, to live vote during uh, the debate about who they thought was winning on certain issues. So let's first one, let's go up. Who's winning the debate on foreign policy, all right? Check this out. 59%. I think that's Sanders. It's 26% for Clinton, Webb 10%, O'Malley 3%, 2% for Chafee. Who's winning the debate on economic issues? That would be, again, Mr. Sanders at a whopping 72%. And you can see the rest of the numbers there. Chafee comes in last. Who is winning the debate overall? We asked this question in the live voting on Facebook. Here it is. There you go. 75%. That is by a huge margin that they believe that Sanders uh, won, was winning the debate. So although Sanders is, a, is an income poop and a socialist and somebody that absolutely shouldn't be president, apparently CNN is in the tank for Hillary Clinton. Seems uh, they tried to create the illusion that Hillary won the debate when clearly their viewers thought Sanders was winning. On Facebook, many people saw their... Pro Sanders comments being deleted. One user commented, CNN keeps deleting my comment off their site. Time Warner Incorporated owns CNN. Time Warner Incorporated is Hillary's uh, seventh biggest financial supporter. CNN is posting all over that Hillary won the debate. CNN owns the polls that 81% of their viewers think Bernie won. CNN will not even post the results of their own poll if this isn't some 1984 Orwellian crap. I don't know what it is. So, you know, it is. And the and obviously the the uh the uh the mainstream media is in the is in the tank for Hillary and uh you know, there's just there's a lot more we could talk about this, but I'm out of time. So, so folks, 
Uh, pay attention. Coming up on October 22nd will be uh, Hillary has to testify on live TV uh, before the Benghazi committee. That should be the end of her career. Um, and then on the 28th, we have the next Republican debate. And, of course, uh, every day that you need to, to do something with your with your finances on your house is a day to call me at 855-640-2020. Folks, I'm out of time. My name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event. And I'll be back again with you next week. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.